preaching today, but you know I've got to talk, right? So uh, I'm going to say just a couple of things before I bring Ryan up. Just a, just a couple of just reminders. I know it's the summer. Lots of folks are traveling. I know we have families traveling today. Uh, but just during this time, don't take it off from your relationship with the Lord. Really press into Him. Seek, seek Him and just really take this summer to read good books on the Lord. It's really, I, I just want to encourage you during the summer to do that. Also, just as a reminder about when we recite scripture on Sunday mornings, one of my goals, and I told this to Ryan in an email this week, is for us not only to hear the Word of God, but for us to say it, our kids to be saying the Word of God. Because I believe God uses that in a big way. Uh, also, I've said this over and over again, that the Lord has gifts that He wants to give us on Sunday morning. And so let's don't miss that. And, and realize that while we are gathered here, Christ is here, the Holy Spirit is here, get work, working in us. He transforms us when we gather together. So it's really a special time. Well, Ryan, I'm going to ask Ryan to come on up. Ryan Curry is going to be preaching this morning. Uh, Ryan and Emily have been working in uh, Mongolia. They were before COVID. A number of circumstances have now led, led uh, Ryan and Emily. They're going to be in Liberia, Africa, as George just mentioned. Uh, they're going to be training pastors and church planters at a place at a school called Grace Life College and Seminary. So, Ryan's going to, they're, they're raising support right now, and I want to mention this too, I'm going to send it out in our weekly emails. They're raising support, our church uh, is supporting them, but we would encourage individuals to support Ryan and Emily. They're raising support now, you building a house right now, it's supposed to be done in November, December, and then they're heading out off in January. So it's an exciting time, but also raising support is stressful. I think there's some information, I think he's got some flyers back on both tables. And as I said, I'll send an email out this week with information. So, uh, so be praying about that to support, because raising support is a difficult thing if you've ever had to do it. And so we want to encourage this family uh, in, in this. So, brother, we're, we're thankful to have you come on up. Let me pray for you before we start. Father, we love you. Thank you for Ryan. Thank you for his commitment to you, Lord, to you, his family's commitment to you. They make a lot of sacrifices, but they want to do that to bring glory to you honor to you, to show the world, to show now Liberia how awesome you are. So bless Ryan as he brings us uh, the message today, as he shares about what's going on in their lives. Let's bless him, bless Emily and their kids. Uh, thank you for his ministry. Thank you for the call that you put on this man. And we just thank you that, that it worked out through the timing, that it's really great that he's able to share with us this morning. So we praise you, Lord. We love you. Be honored and glorified today. Praise in Jesus' name. Well, it's a, it's a joy and pleasure to be here with you this morning. Uh, I grew up in Los Alamos, New Mexico, uh, and Emily grew up in Conyers, Georgia. We met at uh, Tacoa Falls College and have been married for 13, no, 14 years now. So uh, it's been 14 uh, joyful years, and she's my joy and treasure. And we have four kids, uh, so I'll just put a uh, picture up there. The slides for you. Our four kids are Mercy, uh, Jimmy, and Zion, and Hosanna. So God has blessed us with, with those four. Um, I'm going to be sharing a little bit. Where we're going is uh, Liberia and Africa. So what I'm going to do this morning is share a little bit about what we're doing in Liberia, and then I'll be sharing from Isaiah chapter 55. So the next slide shows you where Liberia is in West Africa. Um, Liberia has had a very tumultuous history. There's so many different things that they've faced uh, in, in, the, in the late 90s and 
early 2000s, they had a civil war that just devastated the country. And then in 2014 to 2016, they had the Ebola crisis that, that ravaged the country again. And they had just been getting to a point with development and getting over the civil war, and then the Ebola crisis happened. So as a result of that, there's a lot of poverty in Liberia, uh, even more so than in many other areas of West Africa. So the next slide, please. Uh, the next, this is, a, I was able to go to Liberia in March, and you can't really tell uh, what this picture is, but in this church, uh, they had a pastor who really represented the Christianity in Liberia. Unfortunately, Christianity there is heavily influenced by the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel teaching. And so they would broadcast their messages every single day, and just the, what, what was coming out of these buildings was just false teaching, unfortunately. And so, for example, we know justification is our right standing through Christ, uh, and that God has given us His righteousness, Christ's righteousness, of that verdict of God. But in this church, it... It proclaimed justification is your platform for prosperity. And you, through justification, you can get whatever, whatever you want. So it changed the, the blessings that we have in Christ to be solely material. That we have these material blessings because of what Christ has done. So if you look at the statistics, a lot of Christianity, in, uh, or a lot of Liberia is influenced by Christianity. But if you dig below the surface... You find that that Christianity is the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, so a false teaching. And a lot of pastors are starting to, to recognize this, starting to recognize that the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel is a problem here in Liberia. And my, the partner who is calling us to come and help us is named Diona, a picture up here. Uh, this is Diona and May Thomas. They... Um, they really recognize the, just the brutal nature of the prosperity gospel, that these are the poorest of the poor, and these pastors are, are fleecing the poorest of the poor through false teaching. So Diana recognized that this is happening, and so what he wants to do is spark a reformation in Liberia and to teach the true gospel. So in 2015, Diana uh, got a, a church planting team and, and planted a church. And you can uh, see a picture of, of the church up there. But the area that this church was to be planted was an area that was uh, very influenced by witchcraft. Uh, so the, the community, the entire community was influenced by witchcraft and um, just animism, spiritism. And in a lot of different Liberian areas, there's the cursed region. So this community heard that Diona wanted to plant a church here. And they, they, the leaders of the community came to Diona and said, yeah, we'll, we'll let you plant a church, let you establish a church in our community. Um, and we'll even give you land. We'll, we'll sell you land for very cheap. And we'll sell you this cursed land over here. And if your God is big enough to, to chase out the evil spirits, we'll sell you this land for very cheap. 
And so Diana said, that, yeah, of course, our God is greater than all these evil spirits. And so they prayed, they fasted, and the big day came when they were going to bulldoze this area. And uh, the whole community came out to see what was going to happen, to see if these people would die. Because if you touch the sacred area and cut down these trees, the people thought you're going to die. So they all came out and they cut the trees down and nothing happened. And so today, much of the church is made up of those people from that community that saw that our God is greater than these spirits. It's, it's an amazing testimony to God's grace. And so Diana is he's such a, a hard worker and a gifted administrator. I think of Joseph when I see him. So he's planted three other churches. And you should always get suspicious when you hear that to say, okay, what is the... How, what's the quality of these churches? Are these healthy churches? But going there and seeing these churches, these churches are healthy and they're led by, by strong, godly leaders. And it's amazing. So uh, not, not only that, but the next picture is a picture of the Grace Life Schools. Every time they plant a church, like I said, Liberia is uh, radically impacted by poverty. So the pastors that are planting these churches have really no way to make a living. So they plant a elementary school at the same time so that the pastor can become a teacher or the principal of these elementary schools. And so now they have over 300 students in, in three different schools or four different schools in these places. And a lot of these Liberian children otherwise wouldn't be getting education. So it's just an amazing way that uh, they saw a need in the community, saw a need for the pastor to have a job, and it's and they're seeing that they can impact these children from a young age with a biblical worldview. So that's another amazing thing that that Dionys, uh started. The next slide is uh, at that same time in 2015, he he noticed he knew that it wasn't just enough to plant a church. In this community and, and churches in the surrounding communities, but he knew if he wanted to start a reformation in Liberia, he would have to impact the pastors in the area. So he started Grace Life College and Seminary, where he's been training uh, pastors and church leaders and school teachers in the bachelor's program. Uh, and his goal is to to really. Uh, influence this entire area with the true gospel. And one example of that is a man named Roland. Roland was a Christian. He was a leader in his church. Um, and he heard that Grace Life College and Seminary was putting on a, a seminar. And so he went. They're all, all these pastors are hungry uh, for learning and teaching. And, and even many of the false teaching pastors, they just haven't. I asked Diana, what's happened here? Why, why is false teaching so rampant here? And he said, most of these men just have never had basic discipleship, much less any training for leading a church. And so they just hear or, or say whatever they hear on the radio. And so many of these pastors, like Roland, come to Grace Life College and Seminary and are just uh, transformed. So Roland, he comes, hears the seminar, and after he's done, he just has his, uh, the teacher's done, Roland is there with his hands in his head, or his head in his hands, and uh, the teacher asks, uh, what's, what's wrong? And, 
and he's just saying all our life we've just been so deceived. Uh, and this, for the first time, you know, the gospel clearly explained, the scriptures clearly taught, and it was uh, revolutionary for him. And, and he went back to his church and repented for teaching the false gospel. Um, and so God is at work in Liberia in amazing ways, and uh, it's, it's really awesome to see. Dione needs help, he needs administrative support, he needs teaching support, and so that's the role that I'm going in to fill, and then our family will just be involved in the various church ministries and, and training church planters as well. So that's what we'll be doing uh, in Liberia. We're about 70% of our support raising, uh, and we're so grateful for the church and uh, your partnership with us. We are still looking for individuals who partner with us. Um, I didn't put any information out back, but there is some more information over here if you'd like to, to grab that on your way out. Okay, so now we're going to move, we're going to transition now into our sermon this morning. I'm going to be preaching from Isaiah chapter 55. And Isaiah chapter 55 is the invitation to a great feast. An invitation to a great feast. So I know this is dangerous at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning to, to be talking about food. Um, but this, this is where we're going this morning. And then afterwards you can go feast for, <laughs> uh, for lunch. But Jesus said, as you turn to Isaiah 55, Jesus said in Luke chapter 13, verse 29, people will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. So Jesus says people from north, south, east, west are going to come and take their places at the feast, at the great feast, take their places at the table in the kingdom of God. So Jesus is creating this excitement for us that, that people from all over the world are going to take their place at this feast. And a lot of times when we hear that, we, we think of the people the north, south, and east, right? We, we don't think about the fact that people from the west are coming. Us Americans have a place at this table, and that is incredible. That is incredible. We, we often think of Liberians or Mongolians or the Chinese or the Indonesians uh, or people from South America and, and think, wow, that's, that's so amazing that God has saved people from all over the world. But we often forget that God has saved even us Americans. We should be amazed at that fact. That God has saved us. That God has invited me, an American. I often joke that uh, if the if the Apostle Paul or, or Peter had seen Mongolia or seen the people of Liberia and their lifestyles and then saw Americans' lifestyles, Americans would be the strange ones. We would be the strange ones. So it's amazing that we, Americans, have been invited to this feast. So, so what I want to do this morning is remind you that God has set a table for us. I'm going to show us how, how God has set a table for us in His Word and in Christ and through seeking Him in repentance. God has set that table for us. And we can eat of that fullness right now. 
We can eat of that fullness right now. But it points to a day when God will set that table in the new heavens and the new earth. Oftentimes we think of heaven as some cloudy space, some place with lights and, and fog. But Jesus here is, is saying this is a feast. That you can't get much more physical than a feast. In the new heaven, God recreates the world. When he recreates the world, it will be better than the best feast you've ever eaten. Think of, of Christmas, of, of the ham and, and all the sides that go along with that, that ham. Or Thanksgiving with the turkey and the mashed potatoes sweet potatoes. I really am making you hungry. <laughs> or, or Easter with the prime rib. Just think of the or barbecue. Think of the best feast you've ever had. This feast will be greater. And, and that's the feast that God is inviting us to. Alright, I'm going to read now Isaiah chapter 55. Uh, but first I want to I pray. Father, we do come before you. We worship you. You are glorious. God, we want to turn our eyes upon Jesus. We want to gaze full in his wonderful face. We want the things of this earth to grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. God, we want that this morning. We want more of you. God, I am a weak vessel. I am a needy vessel. So I pray that you Holy Spirit, come, fill me up. God, forgive our sins, prepare our hearts for hearing your word in Isaiah 55. We thank you for giving us this word, God. We pray that you would be with us in this time. In Jesus' name. So Isaiah chapter 55. Starting in verse 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen, diligent to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, Hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you did not know, and a nation that you did not know shall run to you, because of the Lord your God, and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon him. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. 
It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the very thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace, and the mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands, instead of the thorn shall come the cypress, instead of the briar shall come the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that will not be cut off. So first I want to think about this verse in, in uh, Isaiah 55, verse 2. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? So the thing is, we were created for God. We were created for God Himself. And until we fill that meaning of our existence, we are going to have this longing. We are going to have a hunger for God. The problem is that we try to take that longing for God, that holy longing for God, that holy hunger for God himself, and we try to fill it with the things of this earth that aren't designed to fill that need. We can even do this with with good gifts that God gives us. We can can take this longing that only God can fill and trade the good gifts that God has given us, such as the beauty of creation, or sports, or even family, or work, or leisure, or, or even good entertainment. We can take any of those things and try to fill that longing that we have with God with those things. So God comes to us who do this and says, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? Why do you labor for that which does not satisfy? So when we do this, when we we substitute the things of this earth, even if they're good things, for God himself, that is the heart of sin. It's the heart of idolatry. We're taking a place that, that only God deserves, and we're giving it to another. That's the heart of sin. That's the heart of idolatry. So God calls to us. He, he questions us, a rebellious people. And I want to compare this passage with Jeremiah chapter 2, Verse 11. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 11, it says, But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns, that hold no water. So in Jeremiah chapter 2, this is a lot more seen. God calls heaven, and in other cases, God calls earth as witness against rebellious Israel. And this should, this should intimidate us and, and say, okay, heaven and earth can stand as witnesses against me for my disobedience. That's so that's so, and the, the witness that 
God calls on heaven and earth to say is that my people have, have committed two iniquities. They've done two things wrong. They have rejected the fountain of living waters and hewed out for themselves broken cisterns that hold no water. They've changed their glory for that which does not profit. They, they, they have God himself. They have the fountain of living waters, and yet over here they're digging out their own cisterns that are broken and hold no water. It's like this living water, this, this water that will quench my thirst is over here, but here I am digging out this, this mud pit and drinking this mud and saying, no, I don't want that living water. You see, the good things in this life that God gives us are supposed to bring us back to the source, to bring us back to God himself. Not make an idol out of it, not make a broken cistern out of this good gift that God has given me over here. So as Romans 1 says, we exchange the glory of God for the lie. We, we are all idolaters, every single one of us here. I myself stand in the courtroom of God as guilty before God, with heaven and earth as witnesses against me. So the indictment is there. But God doesn't leave us there. He comes near to us in grace. He comes near to us in grace, and as a loving Father says, There's a better way. Hosanna is our one-year-old, and, and she uh, hasn't started walking quite yet. Uh, so she's, she's really leaning on everything and, and toddling around and tottering and falling. Uh, and she just likes to get into everything right now. Uh, into all the drawers, into all the cabinets. And one of her favorite things to do um, at our apartment in New Mexico is to, to open the drawers and empty them all out. But, but sometimes she, she sticks her hand in there to start emptying out this drawer, and she puts her hand in there, and then she leans on it with her other hand. And she starts screaming for, for mom or dad to, to come and help. Um, and as a father, I, I come to her and I say, Rosanna, why are you doing it this way? See, there's a better way. You can just open it up and Pull stuff out, see, just like this. But, but as a father, I come to her and I say, Hosanna, there's a better way. And this is what our text is doing today. Isaiah 55, 2, it's not the, the strong indictment against us in our guiltiness, and that is there. But now the Father is coming near to us and telling us, there's a better way. You don't have to spend your money on that which is not bread. You don't have to labor for that which doesn't satisfy because he offers us that which satisfies, namely himself. So in, in uh, Isaiah 55, 1 is the invitation. The invitation is, is before this, this gentle fatherly questioning. And the father comes and says, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money 
and without price. So, so God comes to us and says, everyone who thirsts, come and drink. It doesn't matter if you don't have anything to buy this, this water for or this, or this bread that satisfies. You, your hands are empty. Just come to the feast that I prepared. So God invites us to this feast that he himself has prepared. And then he asks us, why are you laboring for that food that doesn't satisfy? Come to this feast that I have prepared free without, without money and without price. So the invitation is there. He invites us to come be satisfied. And he appeals to our most basic need, those, those needs of water and food. Our thirst and our hunger are supposed to be an analogy for the fact that, that we are to hunger and thirst for God himself. They become a, our hunger and our thirst gives us a picture that our hunger and thirst ultimately is for God himself. That's why David, the psalmist says in Psalm 42, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. So God is the living water, but he's also the bread of life. He's the one that we're supposed to eat. We're supposed to eat everything that proceeds from his mouth. So he's the living water, and he is the, the, the bread of life. And he set the table, and he has invited us to come be satisfied in God himself. We are so hungry for significance. This has been called the age of anxiety, the age of restlessness. But what we deeply need is, is not to fill our, our lives with, with the stuff of this earth to ease this anxiety, to ease this restlessness. We are to come to God himself. Are you hungry this morning? Are you thirsty this morning? God is inviting you to eat of peace. One of my favorite songwriters, Andrew Peterson, after singing about the beauty and the joy of creation, he's, he's, he's saying he's gone through a list of different things in creation that, that are wonderful, that are glorious, but he comes and says, but still my thirst is never slaked. I am hounded by a restlessness, eaten by this endless ache. That's where our hearts are at without God himself. We hunger and thirst for him alone. Augustine said, the hearts, because he has made us for himself, our hearts are restless until they find rest in him. So are you restless? Are you hungry? Are you eaten by anxiety this morning? Come to the waters. Come to the living bread. Come to God Himself. And this sounds so good. This sounds so good. This feast that God has prepared. But the question is how? How do I come to Him? How do I get satisfaction in God alone? If this is my, if this is what I am aching for, 
If this is why, is why my thirst is never slaked with the things of this earth, how do I get this satisfaction, this food that God has provided? And the answer is, is found in our text. And I think the reason God gives this invitation, and then he gives three commands after this, three, three specific, three um, constellation of commands. So he gives these commands in the text to show us how we're to come to him, how we're to find satisfaction in him. And his first command is to listen. His second command is to behold, and his third command is to seek. So God is showing us how we're supposed to find satisfaction in him alone. So the first command in, in the second half of verse 2 says, Listen diligent to me and eat what is good. Delight yourselves in food. So as we listen to the word, as we hear the word of God, God has given us his word God has inscriptured His Word, and we are to incline our ear to His Word and satisfy ourselves in the rich food that He has prepared for us in His Word. Notice it says, incline your ear. We're not supposed to be merely passive here. We're not supposed to just sit here and listen and think, oh yeah, that's interesting. We are supposed to incline our ears and be active listeners. This is, why, how, this is why, again and again in the Old Testament, it tells us to hear the word of the Lord. Deuteronomy 6.4, the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, with all your strength. So as we hear the word, what happens is in this active sort of listening and inclining our ear is God is transforming us. He's transforming our hearts. He's satisfying us with that rich food. So incline your ear to the word of the Lord. Then he goes on, he says, Hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. So he says, if you listen to this word, if you hear this word, incline your heart to this word, God will make with you this, the covenant that he made with David. As you listen to this word, you will believe in Christ. And you will be entered, you will be brought in to the new covenant. As you listen and as you actively hear the word of the Lord, you will see Jesus Christ, the Davidic King, and be and He will become your covenant head. He will become your leader. And you will be united with Him, and you will be brought in to the covenant. So that's the second command to behold the Christ. Behold the Christ. Behold, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. Talking about David, talking about the Davidic Messiah. Verse 5. Behold, you shall call a nation that you did not know, and a nation that you did not know shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. 
So the second way we're supposed to find satisfaction is to behold the Davidic king. To behold the Christ. So God has set his table for us, not only in his word, but in the Christ. He has given us Christ. So when we come to Christ, we are eating of the food that satisfies. We are feasting on God himself. We are coming and seeing and tasting and seeing that God is good. We are beholding that Jesus is the Christ and he is our covenant Lord. A leader and a commander for the peoples. And the book of Isaiah is so crystal clear about the gospel. About what the gospel is. It's one of the clearest in the Old Testament. The, old, the whole of the Old Testament points forward to Jesus Christ. But Isaiah is so crystal clear, it's amazing. Jesus Christ is the child who will be born of the Virgin. Isaiah chapter 7. He's the wonderful counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, whose, whose government will have no end. Isaiah chapter 9. He is the, the branch of Jesse. Isaiah chapter 11. He's the, the, wells, the, the well of salvation. He's the cornerstone of Zion. Isaiah chapter 28. And he's the king who will reign in righteousness in Isaiah chapter 32. So all through Isaiah... Jesus comes to the forefront, and you behold him. And it comes to a culmination in Isaiah chapter 53, when the suffering servant stands before the peoples. And he is high and lifted up, and he is bruised for our transgressions. He is crushed for our sins. And he's lifted up so that all the people see him. And the kings of the earth see him and mourn on account of him. They see him in his being crushed for our iniquity. So here in Isaiah 55 is saying, behold him. Behold the suffering servant. And when we behold him, all the nations will see him and come to him. And Jesus Christ will emerge as the commander of the peoples. And the nations that, that you did not know... It, Isaiah is talking to Israel, Americans, Liberians, Mongolians, all these nations that you had no idea will see this Jewish man who is the Messiah and Lord, and they will bow to him as their reigning king. So behold him, behold the Christ. Eat of the word and behold Christ. This is the feast that God has provided for us. The third command is in verse 6. The third way we're supposed to come and delight ourselves in rich food is in verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So, so God says the, the third way to, to come to him, to delight ourselves and satisfy ourselves in rich food, is to seek the Lord while he may, may be found. 
And the seeking that he's talking about here is a seeking in repentance. So when we read the word, and when we see Christ, the only response is this seeking God in repentance. To come to him. And admit that we've been those who've labored for food that does not satisfy. And what, what Isaiah is saying is, God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And what he's saying here, he's connecting that with repentance. He's giving a reason to repent. Our current age does not understand forgiveness. We don't understand the grace of forgiveness. Forgiveness is losing its meaning. We want only justice. We want only righteousness. But what this is saying is God forgives the rebels. God forgives those who are least deserving. And just so you're not thinking about someone else, he's talking about us. He's talking about me. I need to seek God in repentance. I need to seek God because I was the one who spent my time laboring for the food that doesn't satisfy. So I seek him. And his ways are not our ways. He is the one who delights to show compassion. He's the one who delights to show forgiveness and mercy. He's abundant in those things. So say, come to him. So God gives us this invitation to come, delight ourselves, satisfy ourselves in rich food at this feast. In conclusion, I want to make a few comments on on the, on the last few verses, they're, they're some of the most glorious words, poetry, and, and that's ever been composed. So what Isaiah is doing, what, what God himself is doing as he speaks through Isaiah, is he's backing up and giving us a reason to come to him, a reason to seek him. A reason to come to, to him for this food that satisfies. And the reason is because God's word does what it's set out for. It accomplishes its purpose. So if, God, if God's word is supposed to slake our thirst, it's going to accomplish that. That's what God is saying here. And it's also saying that the reason we're to come to Him is because as we come to Him, God is going to change us. He's going to transform us from the inside out. And all of creation will no longer be a witness against us, but it will be a witness that we are new creation. So let's read that text. Starting in verse 10. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven... And, do, and does not return there, but waters the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed for the very thing for which I sent it. For you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you will break into singing. 
And all the trees shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it will make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that will not be cut off. So God is telling us the reason we're to come and eat of this table, to, to come to the Word, to behold the Christ, and to seek Him in repentance is because God is recreating the world. God is recreating the world. And you get to be a part of this. If you come to Him, if you delight in His Word, and if you repent, you will be one of those, those sons or daughters that go out, and, and the, the trees are personified as clapping their hands, and the mountains are personified as singing over you in joy. In, Re in Romans chapter 8, it says that all of creation is longing for the day when the sons of God will be revealed. It's all of creation is longing for the day when it's no longer a witness against us, but cheering for us. So as we believe in Christ, as we receive His Word, as the rain comes and we receive His Word, God is working in us and transforming our very hearts. We struggle right now in this earth. We struggle with sin. I struggle with sin. But as we receive this word, God is renewing within me a new heart and bringing me into the new heavens and the new earth as I keep my eye on Christ, the leader and the commander of the peoples. God's invitation is for us this morning. Come, everyone who thirsts, Come to the waters. He, have, he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk. Without money and without price. Father, we do want to come and eat at the feast that you provided. The feast in your word. The feast in the scriptures. The feast in Christ that, that you have given us this gospel. That we, even though we, we are not of Jewish descent. Most of us are not of Jewish descent. We Americans, or the Liberians, or the Mongolians, we can all behold Christ and He can be our covenant Lord. What a miracle. What a grace. God, thank You for this feast that You provide for us. We pray that we would delight in it. That we would be able to take the good gifts that You give us and enjoy them, but but turn to you, the fountain of living 